Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this session. Uh, this is independent by itself, and yet it's also part two of what we looked at yesterday. So if some of you were here yesterday, let's just see your hands. Thank you. Okay, so uh, today what we're going to look at is uh, how you use that foundational tool. I'll, I'll just mention it and give you a, a quick um, update about it. And then we'll go on to look at a, a total health village or how you, you work in a community uh, covering issues of community development as well as health. Okay, can, uh, if, you, if some of you are dispersed that side, you might want to come a little closer. Can you see the screen? Okay. Oops. Okay. Okay, let's get started. I want to start with a little parable. And the parable is about this village that lived up on top of a hill. Do you see those guys there? And uh, the folks up there on this, uh, uh, on top of the hill, love to look down. Can you see those guys looking down? They're stick figures. But they, but they love to look down at the people down below in the valley who lived in these nice houses. To them, they looked nice houses. And they were quite fascinated with, with all the activity that they had there. They seemed to be happy. They were going up and they got in here and they suddenly seemed to come up on, on top. Well, that wasn't me. <laughs> and uh, so they spent a good amount of their time just looking down uh, at the people below. And uh, just to give you a closer view of it. Uh, you can see a close-up of those folks. So let's see if we can get an even closer close-up. It's kind of out of focus there. But, you know, they were really obsessed with these guys down below, in the valley below. <coughs> Maybe this is too close. Is that okay? I'll try and talk softly. Anyway, uh, the, the whole life of these people down in the valley below seemed to, to captivate the people on top, on top of the hill. And uh, they spent a good amount of time there. And they would call the others, come and have a look at this. These guys look so happy. Why don't you come and look? And sometimes, you know, <laughs> someone would get too close and say, what did you say? And then all you hear is, ah, ah, as the guy fell over and hit the ground. But an interesting thing happened as soon as the guy hit the ground, because the people on top of that building at the, in the valley below, someone would give a shout, man overboard! And then they would run out and go and pick the chap and take him to hospital. And soon enough, another one would fall. And again, they would shout out and say, man about, or on the ground, really. 
and then some more would come out and get them. In due course of time, they improved their technology. First, they were just carrying them and got a little muddy and messy with all their blood sticking onto their clothes. So they switched then to having appropriate technology added on. And uh, so they used uh, wheels, and then they took the guy to hospital. They even put a pillow under his head and had his hands folded over. And uh, then they improved further. They got an ambulance. And uh, soon they even got a helicopter because all of this good work that was going on and a very efficient system in place. And it, it had completely developed into a beautiful system. People being taken and even a monitoring and evaluation expert. <laughs> You know, the monitoring and evaluation people always have caps, I don't know for what reason. But he's doing online data analysis. Can you see him collecting? <laughs> They're collecting information about this guy, and this chap's handing it over. So a whole system of handing out and follow-up systems that were in place, and the helicopter providing appropriate oversight to this whole program. And then, of course, you can't do anything without having total quality management and <laughs> continuous quality improvement. And with all of this stuff, they got lots of donors. <laughs> and they got even more donors. And then even more donors. So, of course, they expanded the program. And they expanded the program, lots of jobs, a lot of opportunities. You see, they've added, uh, you know, lots of jobs, lots of people doing maybe the same thing that one guy was doing earlier. And the whole system, the monitoring evaluation guy is still there. And, of course, they had to have lots of housing for all these people who had come in. And it was doing really well till one day, one of the guys who was working down here below looked up and he said, why don't we just build a fence at the edge of the hill? And they didn't like him for that. They said, we were actually thinking of making you a monitoring and evaluation expert. But when you made a sacrilegious statement like that, putting all of our jobs at risk, we don't want you here anymore. And so he was thrown out of the village. And, of course, not to be deterred, what he did was he got a whole lot of ladders and tied them up. And he went up to that village. And he went there and sat with the villagers. And he mobilized that community and talked to them and explained to them about their situation, that they had assets which they could develop. They had opportunities that they could build on. And he spent some time, and then he mobilized them to build a fence. So they used their own resources, and uh, they built a bamboo fence right at the edge there. And that immediately reduced the number of people who were falling over the cliff. Now, in the valley below, that created a bit of a problem, because they had a lot of infrastructure and lots of trained people, so they then decided then that they should 
divide the job. So if someone fell and broke the right hand, there would be those who were responsible for that. If he broke his left hand, there would be others. If it was a woman who fell, then there was this group of women who would handle that. If it was the back that broke, there was somebody else. So they had to go into super specialization to keep themselves occupied. Does that sound familiar? Okay. The time passed, and there were still some people who were climbing on top of the fence. <laughs> and, 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 of course, falling over. You can just barely see the person who's fallen off. It fell pretty fast. <laughs> Climbed on the fence and fell pretty fast. And um, so this time, the guy who went up on the top of the hill, he talked with them. He said, why are they going there? I said, you know, it still seems attractive below, in the valley below. It looks attractive to them. That's why people are going there. So this time, he mobilized them again. And he built a second fence. Can you see the second fence? And this time, they trusted him. So they made a really big really big fence, so that it was very difficult for anyone to climb up on top of the fence. And that reduced things a great deal, the number of people falling down. And then they started developing this side, this whole area they started developing. They started using the resources that they had. They began with what they had and developed it to full potential. And it really developed a great deal. And there still was this little barren area over here. But there weren't so many people going there. And this side developed to the extent that they even had a little dispensary that treated people according to what they needed right there. And they had all this development work going on. So that's what is the Total Health Village. 50, 40, 10. Okay? So the 50 is this side. The community, integrated community development program part, which is on the left of the second fence. The 40, or the 40 person part, is the one between the second fence and the first fence. That's all the prevention part. So water, sanitation, vaccination, deworming, all of the preventive measures came into the 40%. And then for those that went over the edge, there's a whole setup there, the 10%. Okay? So that's what our total health village is about, the 50, 40, 10. So I, I don't know if you've already had an opportunity to go and pick up some of that literature which I mentioned yesterday, uh, in case, oh boy, this is really, put it here. Uh, there's information here on a website where you can download a lot of material on the 10C technique as well as the Total Health Village. And the map booth, which is on the second floor, and I think someone can give us a number I can get the number for the map booth. It's on the second floor. You can get a lot of literature on the Total Health Village. 
So just go there to the MAP International booth and ask them for profiles of total health villages. So you'll get that. 2200. 2200. Yes. Thank you. 2200 uh, second floor. So the 50, 40, and 10. And many times we have come across situations like this. We've gone into communities and they have six, six children. We treated them. They became all right. Then we advised them on how to prevent disease. And they were able to prevent the disease among the other children. And then they'd come back to us and say, you treated my kid, you prevented disease, now tell me how to keep my child alive. Because I don't have food security in the house. What about agriculture? And in the initial stages, we would say, we're health-related people. Go to someone else. And then we discovered that we had to do it ourselves. If you're talking about a total health village, we need to look at all aspects. Even things that didn't seem like health. But if you don't have food security, it becomes a health issue. Okay? Recently, there was a book released by somebody. It's called One Illness Away. Have any of you heard of that book? One Illness Away. Poverty is one illness away. And it's becoming true right here in the U.S. You get sick. If you're not covered by insurance, you come out of hospital, foreclose your house, pay off your bill. And in most places in the developing world, this is a reality. You get sick, one person gets sick, and the whole family has to take some desperate measures. So if you want to do community development, we need to look at all aspects of development, all dimensions of development, not just the treatment, not just the prevention, but also the whole area of community development, integrated development. One of the things we discovered as we worked in communities is that if we didn't know how to do it, there was always somebody else who could do it. So in a total health village, there are several features, and I just want to talk to you about that. What's the modus operandi for MAP International's pursuit of the goal of total health? It's two important things. First, self-empowerment of communities. We work to identify ways in which the community can be empowered so it can solve most of its own problems. In fact, our goal, our stated goal is empowering communities to be able to solve most of their own problems. Now, there are stages when it becomes too difficult for them. That's the place where we need to intervene. The trouble is sometimes we go on and then try to do everything which they could do on their own too. And that's what we shouldn't do. The second thing is holistic integrated development, working on finding ways of integrating all of the development programs so that food security is taken care of through agriculture, animal husbandry promotion, or access to credit, and also we deal with other areas. Okay? Uh, the, the goal is for them to take ongoing comprehensive action to improve their health and well-being. There are seven criteria which are critical.
to a total health village. And I just want to list these one by one. The first one is to work in defined communities. Somebody asked me yesterday, what about urban areas? We can work the same programs in urban areas, but you should be able to define where the community is. Now, in an urban area, it's not necessarily the place where they live, but it's what they're associated with for their earning. So you might actually have four groups, even in a small slum, because some are workers, some are domestic workers, and uh, some are employed somewhere. So you need to look at each one as a separate group. But in a rural area, it works perfectly because the village is clearly defined. You have a boundary for the village. You, have, uh, you know what, how, what resources are there as part of that village in, in that area. So work in definable communities. Second, we focus on self-empowerment strategies. What is empowerment? What is empowerment? Does anyone know what empowerment is? Feeling you have the authority and the ability to make change. A feeling of authority and the ability to make change. It's a it's a progressive thing where they are released and developed to grow to full potential. There are so many growth restraints on people. They're prevented from being empowered. So one of the things we did was we we contacted major organizations in the United States uh, who were in development work for a long time, uh, predominantly Christian, and we asked them about empowerment. We said, how do you empower communities? What do you do to empower communities? What are the critical factors of empowerment? And an interesting thing happened. The big agencies did not even respond, okay, because they had lots of funding and they didn't have to bother with empowerment. And so we kept calling them. And we said, why are you silent about empowerment? I said, uh, it doesn't feature in, in our programs. We've got funding. We don't need empowerment from the community. Empowerment would be an interruption to our plans. I mean, they didn't say it in those words. Okay, We found that the smaller the agency, the greater the dependence on empowerment of the community they were serving. So we, we took all this information and using the set theory, we added this information. We passed it on to a secular university, Emory University in Atlanta. We asked them to analyze all the data that they got from these agencies, different agencies, the ones that responded. And they said empowerment is dependent on four things. This is what emerged. Four things. So it's very interesting. First is the extent to which you control your natural resources. Secondly, the extent to which you control microeconomic decisions related to yourself and your family. Thirdly, the extent to which you controlled micro-political decisions related to yourself and your family. And fourthly, the extent to which you had control over your health. And it's very, very interesting. We actually have a tool that can measure empowerment. So 
the extent to which a community is progressively empowered shows you how much they can take care of their, themselves and their lives. So focus on self-empowerment. Number three, we have clearly defined project life cycles. You don't go in there and work forever. And you don't go in there and just work for one year and come off. We have found that five to seven years is a good time period for, for engaging with the community. Because you need to deal with and strengthen some of the structures there in the community. And it has to be done in such a way that you, right from day one, are empowering and handing over things to the community so that they are not dependent on you. So clearly define project life cycles and times when you will get in, when you will get out. Number four, we have holistic approaches. Now the word holistic has fallen into disrepute because of people from California. So you go to California <laughs> and they say, what are you doing holistic and it's yoga and all sorts of, you know, Reiki and I'm looking at your aura and all of that stuff. So <laughs> steer away from that. When we say holistic, we mean integrated development that brings the empirical, that's the physical, and the spiritual together. Okay? So that people might develop and grow to their full potential. We define transformation or transformational development as progressive, permanent, God-intended change. That's what God wants from each one of us. That's why Paul said, I labor hard till I see Christ formed in you. That you might grow to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Okay? So that's, that's his intention. Now, I worked in China, so you can't have God in a definition there. So I had to change it to progressive, permanent development to full potential. And that means the same thing. What is empowerment? Progressive, permanent release to develop and grow to full potential. It all links up. So holistic approaches that cover the empirical in an integrated development way and the spiritual. But we also focus on children. Why do we focus on children? The child is the future in the present. So when you focus on children, not only children, we focus on the whole community, but we are consciously focusing on children because the child is the future in the present. And when you focus on children, you're futuristic and sustainably, sustainability oriented in your planning. Number five, it's about partnerships. As the lead agency, you don't have to do everything that needs to be done. Enter into partnerships of like-minded people who can do what they are required. One of the things we discovered when we were looking at agriculture, it wasn't one of our strengths. We started searching, and you know what we discovered? There were government agriculturists in the area who were so discouraged because nobody valued them. Sometimes because they didn't know much. 
<laughs> so, so we encouraged them to go and learn more and then come back. And we built them up. And it was tremendous, tremendous. They were just so excited. It was enhancing for them, the local government official, feeling valued and built up. And that's, that's what we should be doing. When we are in a place, if we are not building up and developing all other people, what's, what's, the, what's the purpose of our being there? Entered into partnerships. We made sure whatever we were doing did not have just touchy-feely results. We, we could actually measure things. So we have worked on measuring empowerment, I told you. So we have an index called the CCEI. You know, all these things sound nice with acronyms. You know, if you're in, if you're in an NGO and you can't uh, rattle off at least 200 acronyms, you're not worth your salt. Did you know that? Okay, so CCEI stands for Corporate Community Empowerment Index. And then as Christians, we wanted to know what about, what about the values that have changed? Have they become better people or have they just become richer and are they spending the money on something else? Have they become better people? So we developed another index called the VCI. So that's two down, 198 to go. <laughs> Pick the acronym somewhere else, okay? Oh, THV, that's three down. So 197 more that you have to learn. Okay, so the VCI stands for Value Change Index. Very simple tool, again, to look at that. And then we wanted to also know if people are coming to the Lord or not. Are they coming closer to the Lord or not? So we've developed tools for that, participatory tools on how to assess as those things also. And then finally, seven, it has to be a cost-effective intervention. So we try to break down the costs as much as possible, bring it as low as possible so that it's easily emulatable. It's not high investment. It should be low input kind of programming. So if you want to look at this whole strategy, how does it fit in? This is, this is how. It, imagine that circle is a village. And you have a point of entry. Through, through analysis, we can understand a point of entry through which you get in and address an issue that is very important to them, something that concerns them, something that affects them. And then around that, you build up more. So when you start addressing something that's important to them, then they will open up to other interventions. So you start influencing that. And then you have a greater impact. And then even greater impact. Till finally, you're making a difference in the whole community. Okay, so that's, that's how the plan is to proceed. Okay, but how do we find out a community survival strategy? Because every community has a survival strategy. Every, every community does something in order to survive. And yesterday I explained this. And I just for those, those who didn't attend yesterday, a community has three S's that it depends on. First, a stock of resources. 
I mean, I could have said resources, then it wouldn't start with S. So stock of resources, <laughs> skills to manage those resources. So what are the stock of resources? Land, water, fields, trees, place for the animals to graze. All of these are resources. Without resources, you can't do anything. It's difficult to eke out a living without resources. Then you need skills to use these resources. Because if we just place you in, in a nice 500-acre uh, uh, land over here, you wouldn't know what, what to do with that unless you had the skills to till the land, plant seeds, and grow crops. So that's the second S, the skills. The third S is the stakeholders' plan. The people who went to that community in the beginning, they had a plan, and that's the third S. And as they continue in life, things fall out of their capacity. Between themselves and outsiders, they still there are things that they cannot do. And for that, what they do is they turn to the supernatural. Okay, so here's a worldview analysis, and yesterday we focused a lot on this. And I won't go into too much detail here. Uh, but the worldview analysis is a quick snapshot of what a community does to survive. So here it is. And in the worldview analysis, there are three concentric circles. The innermost circle is what the community controls. The second outer, the blue circle, is what they depend on outsiders for. And the outermost is what is outside of the control of both the community as well as outsiders who are interacting with them. Okay? So the three S's we were talking about were here. The fourth S is here. When it goes outside of their control, they just turn to the supernatural. And they'll turn to this God or the spirit or a deity or their ancestors to deal with that. Okay? Left to their own devices, that's what they would do. So when you go into a community to interact with them, you are contending with a survival strategy that is complete. They've got every, everything connected and covered. You're actually going and saying, I know how to deal with this. And you, it put a challenge for them. Okay? So how do we work in a community? Time is moving forward. So I want, to, I want to share with you, first is the entry point sometimes could be a disease. So you deal with the disease. Then you talk further on how to prevent it. But you're also dealing with the development part, the integrated holistic development part. And that's how you're working in a whole community. But in order to succeed in a, in a community health program, which is holistic and dealing with the empirical as well as the supernatural, we, we have what is called the W3P6 strategy. You want to hear about it? Okay. That's why you're here. Okay. So let's start with the W3 first. The W3 part has... First, the works. So once you've got the community's needs analyzed, it will be in the form of, of a worldview. view. 
And this is the kind of document that you, when you go there, you'll find. You can get a, I think there should be enough for everybody. If you got one yesterday, don't take one today. Uh, it's just a single sheet that has all the details for one village in as concise a form as possible, including a budget and how much it would take to, to deal with that and make a difference in the lives of a whole community. And that's the worldview analysis. And the world, the worldview analysis, can someone just turn the volume down a little bit maybe? Is it possible? Who's handling the volume? Okay. You, you moved, so I thought maybe you knew. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So this is, this is the worldview analysis. And the worldview analysis, you'll find numbers based on the priority. And the priority numbers are linked with the development strategy below. So this, this is a pretty concise document. All you need is one and keep studying it and you'll find out how it works. So we, uh, we respond to the needs of the community through works. So it's actually development strategy on what you need to do to address that. So the work is very important, working in the community. And James talks about that. Someone comes to you sick and cold, don't just say, I'm praying for you, brother. And the guy is shivering away and you haven't done anything for him. So works is very important. But many organizations stop with works and they leave it there. The second W is very important, the words. The words that need to be appropriate to the needs of the community. The words are a response to the needs of the community. The words are linked to open windows in the needs of the community. Now, if you go back, if you go back a couple of steps and look at the worldview analysis, the areas in the outermost circle where there are many seeds or circles, or so small circles, those are areas of vulnerability. And I asked a question of the group yesterday. You know, let's ask you guys, have you ever lost anything in your life? Yeah? Let, let's see a show of hands. Oh, my God. Lots of people with losses. Yeah, okay. How many lost something and then found it? Okay. Let me tell you an eternal truth. You searched and searched and searched. And you found it in the very last place you searched. Why? <laughs> I've had some people say, I, I can't figure that out. I wonder why I stopped searching. <laughs> you stop searching when you have found. So areas which are within your control, you don't turn to God for. Isn't that true of us? When everything is good, you don't pray. And if you're a student, you pray real hard before the exams, especially if you didn't have, when you were partying or something and you didn't have enough time to study, that's when you're praying the hardest, you know. Because ba basically we came from being heathen, isn't it? We used God as a utility. And I had God in a small g because we treat God as a utility. We go to him when we need him. 
Okay, let's get back to where we were. So, first works, then words. Now, as you begin to work with the community, they will begin to ask you questions. What about this? Why are you doing this? Why are you saving? Why are you caring so much? And those will be the opportunities for you to witness to them. Now, you, you don't need to change your voice. And, you know, we have a tendency to do that. <coughs> oh, thou that, you know, when we are talking about God, it's a, we, we, you know, go a couple of pitches higher or lower depending on where your voice is. And, <laughs> and then we just change the way and our demeanor changes. We become very holy and all that. So, just, there's no need to give, you know, chapter and verse. Just, just talk to them. If it's about floods, you can talk about floods. It's about caring. You can give them a story of the Samaritans. But if you're in Cambodia, don't ever use Vietnam as an example for Samaritan. I know a friend of mine who decided to make a very realistic story in Cambodia, and he decided to show the Vietnamese as the Samaritan. And the people wouldn't listen to the story. They said, it cannot be true. <laughs> a Vietnamese will not help a Cambodian. And the story was stopped. So the guy never got to say it. But spontaneously, right there, you got opportunity for the words. And finally, when the works are being done and the words are being used, God's words, his word never returns void. He will perform wonders. Wonders in the form of change of attitude. Wonder in the form of change in the response of the community. Wonder in the form of transformation. Even wonders of miracles. Things changing like you never imagined. Some of those wonders are in your attitude change. Suddenly you begin to realize what you were talking to them about. It doesn't make sense. And that's how God works. So that's W3. Let's go to the P6. The P6, the first one, is prayer. Now, there are two forms of prayer. One is prayer from outside, before you go in. And that's strategic prayer. And I want to run through this quickly because, see, the clock has got something wrong with it. It's moving very fast. Uh, the strategic prayer consists of uh, same system that you use in development. Okay, if you look at a project, a project has four levels. You go to an organization, an organization in what it does to succeed has four levels. You go to a government, in order for it to succeed, it has four levels. What happens in the system here in the United States has four levels. It's the same anywhere in, in the world. The top level is strategy. Okay? The equivalent in the spiritual world is the principalities and powers. The strategic prayer. The first level. The second level, so if you're working in a project, the first level is strategy, and the next level is management and administration. What you do to manage, what you do to administer. Okay? In the same way, in the spirit world, there are those that are in government and in political circles that have influence with whatever is there happening in the spiritual world that gets implemented. That's the second level. The third level is the supply chain or the delivery system. And in the spirit world, again, you see 
there's a delivery system of those who are lower down in the in the in the hierarchy who implement the plans that are made higher up and then at the bottom you have the grassroots level and at the grassroots level you have the people who are who are practicing so you need to pray from from outside the place before you go strategic prayer that's the first p the second p is the presence of god's people on the ground god's people need to be on the ground psalm 125:3 says the scepter of the wicked will not prevail over the land allotted to the righteous and i got a beautiful picture of this when i was reading this and i was waiting on the lord for him to guide me on i had sent a team of mine to live in in the heart of bombay in the slum there were no other christians there and they were very discouraged and when i read this it became so clear because that same evening i went to my friend's house and his little daughter he should have been a grandfather he was the same age as me but he was just having his own daughter and she was like one one year and learning how to crawl and she would crawl up to anything she saw and try to put it into her mouth and her mother was going before her and moving it out of the way and that was a beautiful picture of what god does the scepter of the wicked will not prevail over the land allotted to the righteous so that the righteous may not turn their hands to do evil so it's a cleansing process just your presence on the ground over there begins the transformational process number 3 praying for healing of the land when adam and eve sinned what happened to the land hello it was cursed by whom satan cursed it or who cursed it god cursed it so who can remove the curse so walk around to the place where you are placed or go in whenever you go walk around and ask god remove the curse from this land and pray for healing removal of the curse and prayer for healing if my people who are called by my name second chronicles will humble themselves and pray i will hear their prayer and forgive their sins and cleanse and heal their land okay so that's a promise So ask the Lord as you walk around you don't need to make a big drama of it just walk around and and say Lord remove the curse and heal this land you've given it to us to work let the people here know that God's people have been here for what does the scripture say all the place where your foot has put it where you put your foot I give to you all right number 4 plans of action to be implemented now these are the works in what you're doing in the development needs of the community address them address them professionally not not a, a, in a top coat job this is professional addressing of needs of the community 
Number five. I hope I'm not scaring some of you. Number five. Powers of darkness confronted. Jesus gave a very strange example. He said, if you want to rob a house, what do you have to do? You have to bind the strong man of the house. Otherwise, he'll hit you. He'll defend his home. Right? And he also said, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And as soon as you start the first four things, be sure there will be attacks on you. And when that attack begins, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Okay, that's why David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Make sure you have enough scripture to strengthen you as you move in. And bind the powers of darkness. And that sixth P is participate with God in the creation of a new Jerusalem. Okay. Now, somewhere there I have uh, the scripture and I, I must try and read it to you as my time ends here. But can I have somebody to volunteer just read that out? This is from Isaiah 65. Can somebody read it out for us? Just read it aloud. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight, and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be, will be considered a curse. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the works of their hands. They will not toil in vain or bear, or bear children doomed to misfortune, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. But thus will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm through with that. I just wanted to leave you with a W3NP6 formula and community development. There's, there's a lot of information that you can download. Some of it is password protected. So if you, if you find you can't download it, just send me an email. There's a place where you can send an email and just explain that you are here in GMHC. I'll send you the password and you can download it. So any questions, we can take one or two questions. We, we pre-select areas based on uh, the areas of our strength, which is diseases first. So uh, for Latin America as well as for Africa, we've focused on uh, neglected tropical diseases. 
So that's our focus area. On that basis, we identify an area which is most needy, and then we begin our interaction with the community. Through our monitoring, we have seen lots of changes already. And we will be, by the middle of next year, be doing an evaluation, a midterm evaluation of some of the projects to see how they are, especially on the empowerment and the value change. Uh, because other things, we have already seen the changes in the development process. But we want to see some of these higher goals, whether they're being achieved and to what extent. Uh, with empowerment, what happens, sometimes it can happen just in the first week. Sometimes it takes a longer period uh, on how they discover and how much they're able to control of the four areas. Okay. Well, thank you very much.